Lord, for being in this place. There's no better place that I'd rather be than in the house of God. There's no place that someone could pay me to be than here in this service. Oh, I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight. Thank you, Brother Jeremy, for those kind words. Thankful to be in this service tonight. I feel God's presence is here so strong. From the moment we stepped in for prayer service, you could just feel it. I want to ask you this question tonight. What did you come for tonight? What expectancy did you come for tonight? If you didn't come expecting anything before the end of this service, I want you to think of something that you need, whether it's a healing, deliverance, whatever it is that you're going through tonight. I want you to think about that right now. And by the end of this service, I pray that victory and liberty and anointing would move so strong that God would answer whatever that is in your life. We have to come to every service with an expectancy. If we don't come with an expectancy, if we don't come expecting God's presence to be here, we're just another service down the road where it's dead, dry, dull, and boring. And we don't leave changed. We don't leave impacted. But tonight, I want to leave here changed. I want to leave here different than the way that I walked through those doors in this place. If we could do that right now, let's lift up our hands. God, we want your presence to move in this service. Whatever it is that you want to do, Lord, in everyone's heart and life, I pray that it would be done in this place. God, we trust in you. We give you glory and praise. We thank you, Lord. I give honor to my pastor and bishop. Last time I preached, bishop was here. And I looked over and said, well, I'm thankful I got half of my uh, two giants in my life here. But today, I am thankful for the ministry team. I don't diminish each of you. I'm thankful that you've got my back tonight. But I do miss my pastor. I do miss my bishop. I give honor to them. And I give honor to this church. I'm thankful for this church. This place has been a hospital in my life. I came broken, I came confused, I came hurt with bitterness. And over the last shocking eight years that we've been in Bakersfield, this has been a place of healing, a place of friendship, love, and support. And I give honor to this church. I love you, and I appreciate each and every one of you. If we could stand for the reading of the word, I want to turn to Exodus chapter 17 beginning with verse number 8. Exodus 17, verse number 8. It says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. And Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Ur stayed up his hands, one on one side one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
And Joshua disconfitted Amalek, his people, with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And tonight, I want to title this message with a question. Where are the prayer warriors? Where are the prayer warriors? If we could set our Bibles down, and if we could lift our hands towards heaven, say, God, whatever you want to accomplish, let it be done. Let your will be done in this service. God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for your presence that's already felt. I pray from the beginning to the end that your presence would be done, that your will would be done in this service, that your power and your anointing would move, touch each of our hearts and our minds. As Pastor preached last week, we want to be hearers and doers of your word. I don't want to be hearers only. I don't want to walk away from this service and say that was a good message. But God, I want to be a doer of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, let's clap our hands. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. War has happened since the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 14, the first war ever recorded in the Bible was the war of the Valley of Siddim. And also, in the U.S., there's no way to name every war that's happened since that first war, but just to highlight a few of wars that have happened in America. Uh, the first war started in the year 1775, and that was the American Revolution. The next war that happened was the War of 1812. Then the Indian Wars, the Mexican War, Civil War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, then there was Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and then the last that was just ended was the War on Terror. These wars have cost the lives of hundreds of thousands of individuals that have fought for this country for the freedom that we have today. There's been trillions upon trillions of dollars that have gone towards war. Whether good or bad, war has a cause. War can be fought over territory, over resources. War can be fought because of self-defense. Retaliation. Wars can start because of fear, greed, or power. Wars can be for a stand of truth or a stand for freedoms. And America, the reason why we started America, why it was founded, was for religious freedom. War is not fun. War is not glamorous. War is not cheap. War is not without a cause. Wars cause destruction, death, heartache, and pain for families. Wars can cause hurts, mental, emotional distress. 
Wars can cause famine, but also wars can bring victory. Wars can bring victory. And reading in our passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites were going out yet again to another battle. And this time it was the battle against Amalek. Joshua was asked to choose men to fight for the army of Israel. And in this battle, uh, Aaron, Ur, and Moses climbed to a mountaintop above the battlefield. Moses had a rod of God, or it was a staff, that was a signification of power and authority. The raising of the hands meant Israel was winning. When Moses let down his hands, Amalek started winning. And in this, it mentions that, that Aaron and uh, Ur saw that Moses' hands were starting to get weak. I don't know if anyone in school, they used to do competitions where so you could keep their hands up the longest. And after a while, like right now, if everyone were to lift your hands, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it seems easy. It's like, oh, I could raise my hands for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I could do it for 10 hours. But even though our hands seem so light, after a while, our hands start to get heavy. And Aaron and her saw that Moses' hands were heavy, so they found a rock, and then they both sat on either side of his hands and lifted his hands for him. And in this battle, the lifting of the hands were a banner unto the Lord. And I believe it was a signification of prayer, that with the Lord on your side and with your hands lifted, nothing is impossible. Nothing can come against the children of Israel. If we're approaching every single battle with our hands lifted, Nothing can stop the power of God and surrender. Banners back in the day were used in the front line of war to show that soldiers had a focal point and hope. If the banners were raised high, they meant that the, the battle was still going on and that their part of the battle was still victorious. If the banners were down, it meant that the enemy or the foe was overtaken. Banners were either flown by men or horseback, and they were assigned. A lot of times they were right in the middle of the men gathered in battle. So men could look up and see that there was hope in that battle. In this case, Moses' hands were that banner. Moses lifted his hands the entire battle. It says that Moses lifted his hands until the going down of the sun. It doesn't say when the battle started. It doesn't say how many days the battle went. But Moses' hands were lifted for the entirety of the battle. And when Joshua defeated the Israelites, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nisi. And looking at what does Jehovah Nisi mean? And Nisi means God, my banner. Moses knew something that day that says, if I lift my hands and I surrender to God, God is going to be the banner. We don't have to fly a flag. We don't have to fly material that says that we're going to win. We're just going to look up to Moses on the mountaintop that the Lord is going to help us win this battle. But it doesn't mean that that battle was the last battle that the Israelites were ever going to win or ever going to fight. But in the last verse, verse 16, it says, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So tonight, we all may be going through a trial. We may be going through a tribulations and struggles. 
Can't name, you can't go through and name every single name of every tribulation that we're going through, every trial. It would take hours if we were to go and have everyone just say one thing that you're struggling with tonight. It may seem that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but like Moses, we must rise above. In every battle, we must walk up the mountainside and say, I don't care what this battle is for. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to rise above every situation. I'm going to climb the mountaintops, and I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to surrender to his will, to his way. Whatever it is, God is going to fight my battle. Prayer is a declaration unto the enemy until a battle is won. And you ask, what, is, what does surrender mean? Surrender is the lifting up of the hands, usually to cease resistance to any enemy or opponent to submit to their authority. But we aren't surrendering to the enemy tonight. We aren't surrendering to his tactics. We aren't surrendering to the devil. But tonight, we are surrendering to God. And when we surrender to God, nothing can overtake us. Nothing can stand against us. We've got to surrender to God and to his will. We will not be defeated. We will not. The last war that just ended, the last troops were pulled out of Afghanistan this year, ending one of the longest wars recorded in the history of America. But tonight, the war's not over. Tonight, the battle that we are going through in America and all across this world, it is not over. We are in a war against traditional marriage between a man and a woman. We are in a war against government over God. We are in a war over common sense. We are in a war over the enemy using our minds to play tricks. We are in a war of thinking for ourselves the government wants to tell us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live our lives, whether we get the vaccine, whether we don't, whether we wear masks, or whether we don't. The enemy wants us to comply to his will, to his way. But tonight, I stand against whatever the government, the enemy wants to do, and we surrender to God's will tonight. There is a war in our faith. There is a war on religious freedom. There is a war with having a drive for the things of God. There is war over unity in our church. There is a war over having unity in our marriage and our families. There is a war amongst every single one of us in this place tonight. And there is a war against prayer. There is a war against prayer. Now, I'm telling you, I feel so strongly. God put a burden on my heart for this service tonight, and that is against prayer. Where are the prayer warriors? If I can ask it again, where are the prayer warriors? We are in a war against fasting and dedication unto God. We are in a war against consecration. The enemy wants us to have a lack of desire for the things of God. The enemy would rather us sit at home and watch social media and find peace or find safety in something that someone else is posting to live vicarious through someone else's life. The enemy wants social media to allow us to have something to look towards for self-image. It is destroying our self-image. It's destroying our marriages, our friendships, and it's tearing families apart. I'm not coming to preach against social media, 
but it's the tactics that I'm coming against tonight. Don't let social media dictate your mindset on how your day is going to go. Don't let the media dictate how your day is going to go. Let prayer and the power of the Holy Ghost dictate how your day is going to go. If you wake up stressed, pray. If you wake up with heartache, pray. If you wake up with something that you're dealing with, it's prayer. Don't, let, don't look to the media or social media to figure out your problems. Oh, Jesus. We've got to get into the prayer room. We've got to get into the word. We've got to fast. We've got to give it to God. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, it says, For the battle is not yours, but God's. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So tonight, no matter what you are going through, prayer is the answer. Jesus is the only answer tonight. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah was going up against 450 prophets of Baal. And I won't go into the entire story because it would take too long to get through. But to recap, the overall point of the story is that they were confronted with a challenge. And it says, a fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, praying to Baal, then Israel and the people would follow Baal. But a fire from heaven fell when Elijah prayed to God, and it consumed the sacrifice, and the people and those that followed Baal would follow the God of Elijah. And in 1 Kings 18, verses 37 and 30, or 37 through 40, it was a simple prayer that Elijah prayed. It says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou, that thou hast turned their back or their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. It took a simple, short prayer that Elijah prayed. It didn't take hours. The prophets of Baal, they beat themselves. They cut themselves. They hurt themselves because the fire was not falling. They walked away defeated because their sacrifice was destroyed and nothing was consumed by the fire from heaven. But with a simple, short prayer that Elijah prayed, fire fell down from heaven and consumed that sacrifice. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in prison. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. That night God heard their prayers. It doesn't matter what may come your way, what you're facing. If you're in prison tonight, when you begin to pray, God will answer your prayer. Daniel, knowing that he would be thrown in the lion's den, he prayed. The very prayers that got him into the lion's den are the very prayers that got him out. He knew that his God, even if he prayed and he knew he was going to that lion's den to be consumed by those lions, he says, no, not today, devil. I'm going to continue to pray. If the enemy wants to consume you, they want to kill and destroy you, say, nope, 
today I'm going to make a declaration to God. I'm going to lift my hands today. The enemy is not going to overtake me. The lions in my life are not going to kill me. But God, through prayer, I'm going to be victorious. It was Jonah in Jonah chapter 2 that was in a very tough situation. If you can lift your hands, if anyone that's ever been stuck in the belly of a whale. <laughs> I've, been, I've been whale watching, but thank God I watched from the outside and not looking out through their teeth. Thank you, Jesus. But in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell. Cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou cast me into the deep and in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed about, and all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look towards thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even the soul, the depth that closed me or closed round about me, and the weeds were wrapped about my head. And I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me over or forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came into thee and into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And that time, in that prayer, the Lord heard Jonah. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. It was prayer. In all these examples that I gave, it's been through prayer that they've been victorious. And I don't plan to be much longer, musicians, if you could come. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus, it says that Jesus and his disciples prayed and then went and preached. No matter what we're doing, no matter what area of ministry you're involved in, we must pray before we do anything. We must pray before we step onto these instruments. We must pray before we come up here and sing. We must pray before we exhort. We must pray before we go out on outreach. We must pray before we teach Sunday school. We must pray before we do any type of ministry. It takes prayer. It takes prayer to overcome trials and tribulations. Life will have its ups and downs, but it depends on how we approach every situation. It may not matter if, but when. We will go through something in our lives. If we have unsaved loved ones, pray. If we have backslidden loved ones, pray. If we have a health condition, we've got to pray. Pray for your children every day. Pray for your family Pray for our pastor. Pray for our church. Pray for revival and lost souls in our city. Pray for T-Rockets. Pray for Project 39. Pray that God will use us to reach the lost souls in our city. We've got to pray. And when we pray, prayer may not change our situation, but it, pray that God will change the outlook of our situation and the outcome. We may not understand what we're going through, but we got to pray that God help me to see what you're trying to teach me. I may not understand, I may question, but instead of questioning God, why? 
Why do I have to go through this? Say, God, what are you trying to teach me? If you've gone through the same trial over and over and over again, if you're wandering in the desert and it's been 38 years, 39 years, 40 years, what is it that God's trying to teach you? What is it that you've done that God is saying, you're going through this over and over again because you're not learning what I'm trying to teach you? It takes prayer. Say, God, change the outlook of my situation. Prayer is a way that we communicate with God. Prayer is a way to express thanks and adoration to Him. Prayer is a way that we can praise and worship our God, Creator, and Savior. Prayer is dying out to our flesh. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, I die daily. James chapter 5 and verse 15 says, And the prayers of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's prayer. It's prayer, folks. I want to give an example of something that impacted me so strongly. And I hope this minister doesn't mind me using his name. This wasn't told in confidence, but I thought this was such a powerful example. I was told of a story of Joel Booker that pastors in Rialto, California. And someone says, how do you deal with this large of a church? How do you handle every situation? How do you combat every type of diverse situation that is thrown at you? How do you counsel? How do you deal with the people that consume your time day in and day out? And the response that I thought was so powerful, Brother Joel Booker said, you know what, sometimes I don't have the answer. Sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes the only thing I know to do is I go down to the church and I find out where they, where they sit in my church. And I begin to get on my face and I get under their pew and I begin to pray because there is power in prayer. Brother Joel Booker said, it's not me. It's God that can only fix some of these situations. Let that sink in. There may be some disunity in your family. There may be some situations you don't know how to get out of it. You may be fighting with a brother. You may be fighting with a sister. You may be at war with a family. There may be some disunity. There may be some situations that you're going through. When's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you got near their pew and says, God, I may not know what, to, what the solution is tonight. I may not know what to say, what to do. I may not know how to heal the wounds and the scars of what's been done to me. Things that have been said, lies that have been said about me. But God, I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to mean, I'm not going to go behind their back and gossip. But God, I'm going to pray. When's the last time you prayed and said, God, not my will, but your will be done? And if we could stand across this building tonight, 
I've got a few questions to ask this church. What is the condition of your prayer life right now? What is the condition of your prayer life? Do you know God like you should? Do you know him? God wants to know you. God wants to hear your voice. God wants a relationship with you. Where are the prayer warriors in this church tonight? Prayer shouldn't always be out of, dead, out of desperation, but sometimes prayers are out of consecration to God. We cannot live on yesterday's prayers forever. We cannot live on the past generations of prayers. I'm thankful to hear of the generations of elders and people that have gone on that prayed. The Sister Libby's of the church, the prayer warriors of this church, we cannot live off of their prayers alone. We've got to get it for ourselves. We cannot forget about the prayer life that we once had. How did God used to use you before? What was the prayer life that you used to have before? The moments that you woke up in the morning and before you did anything, you got on your face. And before you went to work, there was a puddle left on the floor or on the pew that you sat in at church. Don't forget about those prayers. Don't forget about that prayer life that you used to have. Don't forget about how God used to use you. Don't walk away from that. God wants to restore that relationship that you used to have with him. God wants to restore it tonight. When's the last time you interceded for a lost loved one? When's the last time you interceded for a backslidden family member? Or have you given up tonight? You think there's hope? The hope has been lost. There's no hope for their soul. When's the last time you got down on your face and said, God, I'm not going to stop praying until it happens. I'm not going to pray for the name until my dad gets filled with the Holy Ghost. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? The Holy Ghost is a once-received type of situation you've got to renew on a daily basis. As Paul said, I die daily. When's the last time you had an intense prayer meeting with God? These altars are open. When's the last time you got down on your face and said, God, I want what you want for my life? Prayer is intentional. Prayer is sacrificial. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. Where are the prayer warriors in this church tonight? Where are you? Are you so far from God that you don't even know how to pray? I invite you to these altars. Don't wait another service. Don't wait until it's too late. You may not make it another night. We are not promised tomorrow.
It's not about writing our name in that prayer book, but it's about our name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's about prayer where God has a relationship with you, a prayer where God knows your voice, where God knows what you're going through, where God knows what you need. It's prayer. It's prayer. It takes prayer and fasting to get God's attention sometimes. When's the last time you sacrificed a meal? When's the last time you put your phone down or sacrificed social media for a week or sacrificed YouTube for a week and got into the prayer room or got into a service and says, God, I'm not leaving here till you change me. When's the last time you wrestle with an angel and says, I'm not letting go until you change me. It may change your name. It may change the way you walk. But say, God, I'm not leaving here until you change me. It's prayer. It's prayer, church. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, tonight is your night. All you have to do is walk to these altars. Lift your hands to God as a surrender, as a banner that says, I'm not leaving here without the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to repent of your sins. Don't leave any stone unturned tonight. It's not worth it. Sin is not worth losing out with God. God is in this place and wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God wants to heal you. God wants to give you deliverance over your situation that you're in.